Hello, everyone. This is the Easy Allies Podcast. I'm your moderator, Kyle Bossman, and joining us this week, Ben Moore. Hell, <laughs> Daniel <laughs> Bloodworth. What? And Brandon Jones. Sup? <laughs> ben, what is your goal this week? My goal is to say the phrase like poppin' popcorn at some point in this podcast. Like poppin' popcorn. Mm-hmm. Bloodworth, what is your goal this week? Um, at some point uh, during the podcast, I'm going to dial it in a little bit on a topic. Oh, he's going <laughs> to dial it in. And I have, a, I've, Blood, right now I'm kind of assuming you, you don't mean figuratively dialing in. I assume that you actually want to crank something in the air. The dial. Yeah, I, I, I will we'll make that motion when okay. I'm dialing oh, okay. it in. Right. All right. uh, Brandon Jones, what is your goal this week? Well, I feel I was originally just going to do a phrase, but I feel I got to add the, the motion to celebrate Blood's commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to say, yeah, that's the ticket. I'm going to do a little, little gunfire. <laughs> yeah, that's the ticket. I will also add a motion. <laughs> a motion or emotion? Um, um, a motion. A motion. Uh, isn't that's a character? That's an SNL character. Yeah, that's the ticket. Is it? Who is that? Who's a? Uh, oh, it's the one nobody likes. I haven't watched SNL since the nineties. So. Oh, nobody the, likes the critic. John Lovitz. Oh, John Lovitz. Yeah. yeah, that's the ticket. That's a John Lovitz character. Oh, okay. I mean, still do it. Sure. We love Lovitz. I don't mean nobody liked him. Uh, my goal this week is to smile more. Smile more. So I'm going to try to do that throughout the podcast. Hopefully you can hear me smiling. They say that you, they can. Can, you can hear a smile. Wait, Jones, are you saying that for real? Yeah. From an expert? It, it is It is true. It's a weird, weird thing. But okay. yeah, if you smile when you read voiceover stuff, you sound different. <laughs> Begin corrections music, please. <laughs> the lead writer of Horizon Zero Dawn brought in by Guerrilla Games was John Gonzalez, who was previously known for being the lead writer of Fallout New Vegas and co-creator of the Nemesis system Shadow of War. The Battlestar Galactica writer, uh, Michael Angeli, was brought in by Sony Santa Monica to help write Stig Asmussen's brand new sci-fi IP, which was canceled in 2014. We got our wires crossed last week. We got it. It's all straightened out. Here's another one. Uh, Cod Ghosts was written by Stephen Gagan, who wrote Traffic and wrote and directed Syriana, not David S. Goyer. Goyer co-wrote Black Ops and Black Ops 2. Okay. And most recently, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. We, you know. guys got deep. Yeah, we, we, it's all sorted out. We got it. Uh, Final Fantasy The Spirits Within and Angry Birds movie are tied at 44% for on the Rotten Tomatoes, making them the best movie adaptations. A lot of people said other ones, but they did not have a tomato meter score, so we could not count them. Hmm. Like a, the Ace Attorney live action movie. It's like, sorry, it's no tomato meter. It's, it's tough because I was thinking about like Ratchet and Clank in our yeah. conversation, and like, yeah. it's not an adaptation. That's a. That's the movie, <laughs> you know. It's like but that Angry Birds. That's not an adaptation. Like it that's, is. That's their movie. Yeah, like they re- no. they made a movie of the thing. Whereas like Mortal Kombat's not like Ed Boon and the team being like, all right, let's make this movie. It's like no, they cast actors and you know like took the thing and translated it into a film form. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if I'm if I cannot distinguish an Angry Birds commercial from the Angry Birds film, that's just you just made a. I just, I'm just watching a longer commercial. I think you're not paying attention to what those Angry Birds look like. They look very different in the movie. In the film? Yeah. <laughs> in- indistinguishable <laughs> from the advertising? <laughs> Completely distinguishable. Why not? Redbird's its own thing. Uh, Reindeer Academy would be classified as an etchy anime. Play Anywhere titles do work with Xbox Game Pass, so someone on PC who does not own an Xbox could still pay $10 to play Sea of Thieves for a month. Even if you're on PC, you can still buy Xbox Game Pass. You're not going to get all the games, but you can still get the big ones. 
for dirt cheap. That's yeah. an interesting almost loophole. Yeah, it kind of feels like it. It's not advertised that way, but it's, it's like, definitely it's a feature. Like, are you going to play Sea of Thieves for more than a month? Probably not. Right. But then the next month, it'll be some other game that you want to pay $10 for, hopefully, yeah. is their plan. Uh, Labo replacements will not be free. And finally, there's no right way to pronounce Levington Square War Warwickshire. Uh, I absolutely did it wrong, but... Uh, like it was corrected like 10 times like ha 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 you don't know how to say it there were no two similar <laughs> pronunciations they're like it's Warwickshire it's Warwickshire they're like Lemington Lemington Square Warwickshire I've actually been to Warwickshire you have? Uh, yeah when I went to see Codemasters cool and corrections music please so there is a lot of development in there huh? Uh, I don't know I say a lot I mean they're there uh, they're in a farm. And what we learned was outside um, of uh, Playground set up a studio there who does uh, Forza okay. Horizon. They set up a new studio over there. Um, and finally, I wanted to make a clarification. Uh, it wasn't. So when we did the NPDs last week and we said like Nintendo's got 9 out of 10 for the Switch and 10 out of 10 for a 3DS, that was not to indicate that Nintendo is crushing it as some of the comments uh, uh, inferred. No, all I meant to say is, like, look how weird it is that Nintendo is all exclusives, whereas they're not that important uh, to the success of PlayStation and Xbox. And it's essential to the success of Nintendo. It's weird. It's definitely imbalanced. I think they could both use more or less. Um, sorry, I think Sony and Xbox could use more, and Nintendo could use less. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. And I did not mean, like, we're not just like, Nintendo's the best because they are all exclusive. It's not, that was not the point of that. <laughs> Okay, uh, I want to start this week's podcast with a huge headline, making the rounds. Ex-Rare composer David Wise reportedly working on a Nintendo project. This was just texted to me by Michael Huber this evening. I must have gotten home, found the Blasted. article. Yes, and then texted it to me. It needs to be in this podcast. Uh, this is huge. David Wise, probably best in the biz. I'm not sure you could find a better video game composer. Uh, legendary. Legendary. Jones is searching for one. It's impossible. No, Uematsu. No, 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 no. Just, come no. on. Yeah, come on. Yeah, sorry. Excuse me? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Legend, I'll give yeah, you just, legendary. Uh, I, um, see, yeah, you plenty of others I would bring up. No, not best in the biz. <laughs> give me best in the biz. One of the best in the biz. Yeah, because best in the what biz. What an honor. I think when you say best in the biz. One of the best of anyone ever at your thing? Like, it applies to like, at least 10 or 20 people when you say best in the biz. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> In any biz, it's 10 or 20 people. Oh, okay. The best All in right. the biz, along with these other yeah. people. Collectively. <laughs> <laughs> so look forward to that. Uh, no, but another huge headline this week, which is it's weird. It's weird how this headline came about. Microsoft is considering buying electronic arts. Reportedly. Is it confirmed? Okay. Yeah. Wait, this yes. is a new topic? Doesn't still not David Wise anymore. This is just, I'm sorry, Blood, we've moved on from David Wise. If you want to talk about David Wise some more, you know, I'm, I'm game. Uh, but j just for production purposes, yes. will there be a timestamp for the David Wise announcement? Absolutely. There Excellent. Will be. Okay. Excellent. Yes. People are going to skip straight to good, that, re listen good. to it, mm -hmm. and then just wait for next week's episode. Uh, so here's how this all happened Polygon wrote an article. Uh, the headline, I'm sorry, I didn't write down the headline. The, the point of the article was to show that Microsoft needs more exclusives. They looked at those NPDs. It was 0 out of 10. Obviously, they need more exclusives because Nintendo has 9 out of 10. But uh, actually, I want to I start with the first paragraph because this is the funny part to me. Microsoft has given Xbox head Phil Spencer a vote of confidence, promoting him to ex 
executive vice president of gaming. In return, Spencer will be expected to solve the company's immediate problem. The Xbox One doesn't have enough big game exclusives. Big name exclusives, excuse me. Uh, that is not the Xbox's biggest problem. I like, I'm, I'm already set, upset about this article from the beginning. Uh, it's a very well written article, very well researched. Uh, but the, like the thesis is like, no, that's not their biggest problem. Clearly not. Anyway, uh, what the the paragraph that got picked up, spread around, reheadlined from other uh, outlets is this one right here. Some of the names being thrown around as possible acquisitions by Microsoft are, frankly, astounding, even unthinkable but the fact that they are doing the rounds is instructive the most recent one we heard from a reliable source close to microsoft was in fact electronic arts we also heard a whisper about valve and about korean outfit PUBG corp which microsoft last year signed to a timed exclusive for its hit survival shooter player unknowns battlegrounds <laughs> so that's the article that's the art that's I'm sorry the paragraph in the article that got picked up and everything and what's funny is the day after polygons published another article where uh four analysts they talked to basically debunked that theory <laughs> <laughs> they had four analysts come in and say like no they're not gonna buy ea uh michael pactor included pactor was in there um but uh i it's it's interesting to me the can of worms this opened this article uh, surely they did hear something. They heard somebody say uh, Microsoft plans on, on buying EA or, or is thinking about it, as John said. Uh, but it, it's even if it's not likely, I think it's an interesting conversation to have. I'm, I'm deeply interested in this, but I don't have this area of expertise. Yeah. I don't have these experiences to draw from. And the person we turn to in moments like this is a man named Rick Hogue <laughs> okay. for a segment called help us out hoag now uh let me do a little disclaimer before we begin help us out hoag uh rick hoag is simply incredibly knowledgeable in the areas of law and business and fortunately likes to share his thoughts with us uh this is help us out hoag is not news nor insider knowledge it's just for fun just yeah. for discussion right okay share his thoughts is also just not even just scratches the surface of what mm -hmm. i share my thoughts with you on like how excited i am to play builders on switch again. right it's like, like i'm excited this Two is words. Yeah. a thesis yeah like. and the thing is john's yeah hoag sent us a lot of a lot of text here yeah. but i just think i just think like the possibilities of this, I, I like like the the facts of it it's, it was interesting it was hard to edit it i did take out chunks and this is what is left over uh Panel, if we're not if we're not riveted, we can move forward. But like, I really <laughs> want to do some help us out, Hogue, right now. Are we ready? Oh, we're ready. Could Microsoft buy EA? Oh, that was my question to him. My initial thought is that anything's possible. In a year that has already seen Disney agree to purchase the majority of Fox, we really shouldn't be surprised at anything in the modern media entertainment environment. To give some context to that deal, though, Disney, the largest media company on the planet, has a market ca market capitalization of only 168 billion. <laughs> By comparison, Microsoft has a market capitalization of more than 700 billion. MS is not just or even primarily a game company after all, and it's important to remember that. Market capitalization is equal to share price multiplied by number of shares outstanding. All right, so that right there, Jones, if you told me Microsoft is that much larger than Disney, I'd say get out of town. In terms, I'm sorry, what is it called? The marketplace? Market capitalization. Market capitalization. I'd, be, I'd say get out of town. And so the, I guess you wouldn't. 
No, I mean, yeah, it makes sense to me. It's huge. Microsoft yeah. is huge. It's it just that helps me put that in perspective of how big Microsoft is. All right, sorry. You can make My second thought is that anything's even more possible with Microsoft. Historically, Microsoft has always been a company to shore up any perceived weaknesses in its research and development or operations through the acquisition of comparatively smaller companies. On the day of this very podcast, they announced the acquisition of PlayFab, a cloud-based live multiplayer company, and in the past 18 months alone, they have purchased Beam, now Mixer, Simply Gone, Altspace VR, and now PlayFab, and that's solely in the game or game-adjacent space. That's on top of their purchase of business social media site LinkedIn for $26 billion to give some flavor of what they're willing to spend. Microsoft often buys close to 10 companies per year, 9 in 2017, 8 in 2016. Great facts. Right so, there. That's, these are great facts. He's just dropping facts right there. So given that Microsoft has $130 billion in cash per polygon, an enormous market capitalization, a historical tendency to expand through acquisition, and a perceived and publicly acknowledged weakness in game development... There is very likely to be some action here, and relatively soon. Yes. Love that. Moving on, are we going to discuss? I don't know. We should, we should discuss that is, for could a Microsoft buy EA? Yes. Microsoft is... Totally. Is, is, is big, <laughs> yeah, is that... To, like, it was a thing a week ago I wouldn't have considered, panel. That's insane to me. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's like the, the, the classic animation of just, like, some scary fish swimming through the ocean, and then just some huge mouth. Just, you know? Yeah. So you're always, like, as big as you think something is, mm-hmm. it's, you know, pales in comparison to something else. It is exactly have no that. problem just gobbling it up. Yes. So, and, and you think of happen. EA as huge. You think of EA as huge, and you're right. It's just a tiny fish compared to that big old whale that is Microsoft. To me, such a decision seems to be a little bit at odds with kind of the, the conversations that we were having last year where it seemed like Microsoft had kind of resigned itself to this second place spot and it was kind of broadening itself in terms of the way that it let people consume games. It was being more flexible with structure and pricing. You're seeing that with the Game Pass. This to me is like, no, we're going in and we're going for the kill. Like this is this is a level of of aggression and and strong arming that, that makes me think that they are not Willing to resign themselves as much as maybe I initially thought. Yeah. Uh, Jones, continue, please. How could Microsoft buy EA? About EA specifically, its market capitalization stands at a bit over $36 billion. $36 billion. <laughs> While not exact, this means that Microsoft would generally have to spend at least that amount in order to purchase the company. But in reality, it would need to be more in order to induce the sale. Induce the sale, Jones. I love this stuff. As EA is a public (laughs) company, Microsoft would have two options for an acquisition, primarily. Simplified a great deal for the purpose of podcast discussion. Microsoft could approach the EA board with a merger proposal, which the board, in accordance with the fiduciary duties Mm -hmm. it has to EA shareholders, would need to either approve or reject on the basis of what is, quote-unquote, best for the company's shareholders. Or, Microsoft could attempt a tender offer, which, for our purposes, amounts to them offering to buy the shares of EA held by each shareholder individually, rather than going through the process of getting the company's approval. The role of the board is especially important in the context of a proposed acquisition. Reams of case... uh Reams of case law have been written on what the board needs to consider in the face of a buyout as, in general, approval means that they, and likely good portions of management, will be out of a job. So a board must use careful judgment in the shadow of an acquisition and cannot elevate their own desires to run the company over what could potentially be a windfall 
for the company's investors. Yeah, so I love that. I love that basically if you're on the board and you're like, no, we should run EA. <laughs> we shouldn't give it up. You can't. You like can't do that legally. If enough, I guess we're moving to this next thing. If enough money is offered, if, if you're, for your shareholders are going to make more money, you have to allow yourself to be bought. It's your fiduciary duty. Yeah. So say Microsoft wandered in and offered some crazy number for EA. Let's say $100 billion, or three times its current market capitalization. The board would need to treat that seriously and likely recommend it for approval of the shareholders. The shareholders would then have to approve the deal, usually by majority vote in a public corporation, and then the deal would be done. That's usually how these things go. The acquirer blows away the board with a deal price they simply can't turn down. For example, the aforementioned Disney-Fox deal values Fox shares at about $40 per share when the price at the time was about $25 per share. The board can't simply turn down that level of additional value for the shareholders without a good business reason. Which is a long way of saying that the acquisition of EA for any publicly traded company is always an option for a company as cash-rich as Microsoft. And that truthfully, if Microsoft higher-ups have determined that there is a weakness in their game development, they would be foolish to not be having at least preliminary calls to determine what value a company's board might be looking for in respect to its stockholders. And that's what I think of first and foremost, separating from Hogue for people listening. Yeah. This is not what Hogue writing. This, this is, is Brandon Jones. This is Jones off the dome. Yes. Is that I'm sure they've done a you know uh, market research on everybody. Right. Like I'm just EA might be the ooh the most interesting one yeah. where people are fantasizing about that. Yes. But it's like I, there's got to be multiple people at these companies that that's what they do all day. It's oh, just for like, sure. Like Sony's like, can we buy EA? Nintendo's yeah. like, can we buy EA? Look yeah. into it. Yeah, for sure, Jones. Well, not only that, but Microsoft is like, can we buy Rocksteady? Can we buy you know yes. like. Uh, um, this has got to be a different a purchase that then offers them. They get Star Wars with this. They get all sorts of stuff. But uh, I'm sure it's also potentially tasty to look at just like a, a, a dev by on its own. Um, I'm not sure if there is much, if anything, to these rumors other than Microsoft doing their due diligence, which I absolutely think is happening given their outward facing statements. I suspect we will definitely see some acquisitions by them in the future. I do wonder if Microsoft would have attempted the purchase of Respawn if they knew the purchase price would be so quote unquote reasonable. But I don't think we can yet know whether there will be anything as massive as a buyout of EA. I tend to doubt it, only by the reason of historical precedence. Earth-shaking acquisitions don't happen too often. That's why they are earth-shaking. In respect of Valve... Oh, we'll get there. We'll get, to, we'll get to Valve. We should talk about EA Valve. first. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother... Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, he basically comes to the same conclusion that Polygon's four analysts did a day later. Is so that like... Probably not. <laughs> you know, you know, everybody gets to write their headlines. Everybody got it for that day. Just like, oh, yeah, it could get bought by Microsoft. And we all get to like talk about it on podcasts. But it's highly unlikely in the end. It'd be weird to see EA operate independently for a certain num for a certain amount of time following an acquisition like this. Because what is going to change right away? You know, oh. like what? No games are going to get canceled. It's not like a way out's not happening, or yeah. it's not like you know uh, uh, the Battlefield's not happening this year or something. So it'd be weird if if an acquisition like this happened before E three, and then you like go to the EA press conference being like. I mean, like, what should we, we, is Microsoft's name going to be up on the screen or something? And they're like, no, yeah. no, no, we just want EA to run and do the thing it's doing. Like, that would really overshadow anything perceived coming from EA, any announcements. I guess that that's my confusion is how aggressive would it be if, if suddenly Microsoft owns EA? Is that meaning, hey, you are only getting Madden on a PC and an Xbox and that's it? Yeah, I think there's no way. Right. right. Yeah, there's like, that's... 
And so it's funny, it doesn't seem like an exclusive fix to me. Like, maybe, like, Mass Effect would be exclusive, but Star Wars wouldn't, and, and a, like, NF, any sports team, FIFA would not be exclusive. Yeah, I just wonder, part of me wonders, like, what is in those contracts with the, you know, getting those licenses? Is like, oh, yeah. Are they required to put that on certain... And I think they actually are. I think those systems. are part of most of those contracts, actually. Hmm. But But do you think, perhaps, the mentality and, like, why they would be eyeing somebody like Electronic Arts is, you know having having the resources and the studios to get more exclusive games done and out the door yeah. and not have the catastrophes that we've had the last several years with high profile games. Yes. Yeah, because I mean that also like I I, I kind of see where you're coming from. That also seems to be like the one of the reasons why something like an EA or a Ubisoft would be so out of like out of left field or like crazy high high end is because you're dealing with thousands of employees, multiple studios spread out across the world. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you got PUBG, then, like, you got PUBG, and that's that one huge. Studio, yeah. And you didn't have to worry about a whole lot of, like, management and human resources and all that stuff. You'd have to immediately wonder how dirty things would get, though. Like, let's let's say you have something like a Madden, and sure, let's say it can technically come out on PlayStation, but are there things in the Xbox version that you can't get anywhere else. Yes, and yes. You, you take that, and you already have the ill will that has been built up over the years against EA. And I mean, like, doesn't that reach miraculously a new boiling point? It's really funny, Ben. Yeah, because uh, EA is not the company you want to buy for a happy headline. Right. <laughs> yeah, and happy headlines seem to be what Microsoft is just starving for. You know, it's like, hey, ten bucks for all of the our games. They got you know, a happy like, headline hey, last week. Yeah, like backwards compatibility for the original Xbox. Hey, you know, like a lot of service announcements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of things realizing. You know, obviously they're they're really pushing tech, but uh, um, I just see a lot of those smaller things that they're smart enough to identify. People are going to be excited about this. They're going to be that's going to put a smile on their face. Mm-hmm. It might not be what they're anticipating. It might not be what the big predictions are before our big announcements. But uh, we're gonna that'll make people happy. Yeah. So I think that I think that if they if this announcement were to happen, uh, it would have to be they would have to have it sorted basically what the news the, what the studios would be working on. So like Dice is actually working on Halo now. You know what I mean? Like it have to be mm. it have to be like that. Uh, kind of like when Square Enix said we're working on multiple Marvel games with these studios. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking years down the line, but you had to sort of trust. Like for them to buy EA, we'd have to, they'd have to immediately answer the question why. Hmm. What benefit will have it to us? And I wonder if anything would really change. I wonder if any, like, if the years went by, if, I guess EA IP would be exclusive going forward. But yeah, I wonder. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think we would see. Yeah, like you were saying, like Battlefield. Like, I don't think that they would necessarily be working on Halo. Like, I think they would just they would have Battlefield. Battlefield. Locked yeah, you're down. Right. Yeah. You know, you would have uh, some of these things that they've partnered with. You know, like. Uh, a way out and Faye like that would just be locked down, you know, for for their for their group. Need for Speed. Yeah. Yeah. Need for Speed easily locked down. Um, yeah, those would be big exclusives. Those would be kind of big. For sure. Would it solve the problem? Um, would Xbox double in sales and suddenly equal the PlayStation Four? I, I think it goes back to like where some of those contracts where those you know lines lie you know if if something like a madden or a fifa became exclusive then yeah that would shift a big tide of people um but uh, if they couldn't do that then I, I don't know if the other games would be enough battlefield would be a big one though yeah 
I yeah, it's so weird to me. It is. It's about the power of exclusives, which we talked about last week, and we talk about it this week again. It's it's you don't know. You don't know like why people buy their consoles. To me, the PlayStation 4's success is not about its exclusives. You can point to this year and say like, look how well Sony's doing with their exclusives, and they are. They totally are. Mm-hmm. But it's not the reason for its success. In my eyes. But it, but is there a sole reason? You know, I. Right. There is never a sole reason. Right. Yeah. I, I honestly think for a lot of people, they want to play games that are available everywhere. They want to play Battlefield. They want to play Call of Duty. They want to play Madden. But when they're making that decision, the the, the tipping point is, well, I can also check out Horizon. You know, that's gotten a lot of buzz. I think, realistically, a lot of consumers go through that, where their their priority might be that big game but those those other exclusives are the things that are like well I might as well play it here because maybe I can get this extra stuff as well. Uh, but with when you have EA, it just it's so weird. Oh yeah, because you could just see all of people's fears being like, aha, this is this is even worse than I thought. <laughs> this is even worse than I I. Yeah, thought it would be. I think realistically speaking, they they would have to drop or the NFL or or just and FIFA or honestly they would just release an Ivory console. I think they I think that would stay. Well, yeah, I think uh, they'd have to drop Star Wars. I think they would just drop it all together because the Star Wars can't be exclusive to Xbox, basically. Yeah, and at the end of the day, all this is done. Uh, uh, I mean, we're speculating that yeah. all this would be done in the to benefit the Xbox. Mm-hmm. And are you willing to sacrifice all of those PlayStation and Switch Madden FIFA sales yeah. just to make the Xbox more popular for a year or two? Like that seems like a, a big sacrifice. Yeah, you're saying goodbye to a lot of money for to, to just put all your eggs in one basket. And I get, actually I get the argument that it's not about Xbox as much as it is about Xbox services. Uh, like Minecraft is on everything. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it was that Nintendo tweet today? <laughs> like, extremely relevant. Yeah, what was what was in that Nintendo Ninten- tweet? Nintendo tweeted about like all these classic characters coming as Minecraft skins, and I'm like Banjo Kazooie, Halo, Gears of War. And like when Nintendo's tweeting about Gears of War, what's happening? Yeah, yeah. what year is it? <laughs> Nintendo was proud to announce that Master Chief is in Minecraft on the Switch. I think that's cool. Yeah. I think that's good, and I think Microsoft Definitely. probably loves that. Yeah, and so I think they. I don't think they would. I don't think they want exclusives as much as people think they want exclusives, basically. I, I immediately jumped to the Xbox One X, though, mm-hmm. with, with that sort of uh, purchase and how much you would merge the message of the most powerful console with something like EA. And you could really sell people and be like, hey, we were making our games as powerful as they could be before, but now they're under our wing and you, you can see that benefit even more dramatically. Um, and I think that's a really easy thing to sell. Yeah. Yeah, Battlefield could look excellent. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, however, our analysts all say that it's probably very unlikely for that to ever happen. <laughs> it was so funny reading the article. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, could, you could almost see the analysts just shaking their head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Jones, uh, how, about, how about Valve? How about PUBG? Let's talk about these. In respect to Valve, I believe that Steam would likely be a much bigger antitrust issue than the EA acquisition described above, as Steam is rightfully thought of as having a virtual monopoly on PC game distribution, having a major hardware, server, and operation system provider like Microsoft capture 90% of the PC gaming market would raise a lot of re- 
would raise a lot of red flags. Doesn't mean they wouldn't do it, but that they would have to be steeled for a fight with FTC DOJ. In respect to Blue Hole, MS also has to be wary of triggering an auction-type sale, as my understanding is that Tencent was also considering an acquisition late last year. As in all markets, if there are multiple potential buyers, the price has a tendency to go up. That would have to be a consideration for Microsoft, given Tencent's posturing last year. Dissuading other potential uh, acquirers is one of the reasons Tencent might have floated the possibility in all honesty. I go. love stuff like that. This idea, Jones, of saying like, hey, we might buy PUBG. Yeah, just, just so it's, it, the cost out. goes up yeah, of yeah. what PUBG Corp love was. Hmm. I love that idea. And like they never intended to, but they just want to make sure Microsoft doesn't. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> this idea. Let's say if you're at an auction and you see another auction and you're like, I know that person really wants it. So, yeah, I'm just going to piss them off. Sure, I'll bid. And you're yep. like, oh, because you know I'm going to go way up to oh, try to get that thing. Yeah. Uh, Valve, I think you are. You're going for you're going for Steam mostly, right? Because uh, they're yeah. I mean, that's that's the weird thing. Like, Valve isn't going to do you much good for Xbox exclusives, right? But it's going to give you a whole another market, right? You're not putting Dota on the Xbox One. It it is hard. Valve is just completely unbelievable to me. Like, there's there is I don't think there's any way you could make that work. Yeah. Uh, like. And he even said in the article that you are pulling from this, where Valve is fiercely fighting for its independence and doing its thing its own way. And over the last, I mean, since Valve's inception, it's been doing that. And you think about why people flock to Steam and why they do PC games. You put Microsoft branding on that, and you are, you are just pissing everybody off. <laughs> There's, I can't envision any way yeah. that you could smooth that over and say, especially especially when you recall Games for Windows yeah. and the absolute terrible like abomination that that was, you will have zero you will have negative goodwill that, it, that's not happening. The idea of Steam requiring Windows 10 is right. so fun. Yeah. <laughs> like That's really the fun. The minute that you open Steam and you see Microsoft like you just want to throw your computer, like it's just not going to work. Or it does the thing like with uh, Microsoft's email list services where like you get the dumb banner that pops up at the bottom. It's like better in Microsoft Edge. Try it. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Go, go away. Uh, blood is PUBG worth spending billions on? Is put would PUBG? I, be I worth think it? PUBG is the most, yeah, most likely and, and probably the most beneficial. Again, like like I said, there's there's less overhead, less hassle to deal with, and you're just you're locking down that that player base and it's you know they've they've already kind of started to lock it down a bit you know with with the timed exclusivity, um, and if they can just maintain that then yeah they just got a, a cash cow right there. Yeah, I kind of feel like they've already benefited from the exclusivity. Yeah. I, I think it'd be like wasting their billions. If they're it, like up to four million players on Xbox now. I thought it was five. Yeah, maybe, I mean, yeah, the number like I feel like I get another email like every week about it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And so right, they're they're. They kind of they're benefiting from it right now. It is the exclusive platform with PC. It's not on PlayStation Four, basically. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, I don't know if like buying it now would be worth it. I, I think you know they've already had the benefit. They're, I don't think they're losing the PlayStation sales. So yeah, I don't know. It's weird. All right, let's to wrap up this conversation. Of those three, which do you think is most likely to be purchased by Microsoft Jones? Uh, I agree with Blood. Uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Bloodworth. Yeah. And Ben. Same. Okay, cool. So look forward to the purchase of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. <laughs> Announcement coming before E3. Uh, shoot, you know what? Rest also, is, uh, 
I I think that's very similar to what happened with Minecraft. What's that? Just like the fact that you know Microsoft went out and purchased Minecraft. You know, it's like one of this huge worldwide phenomenons. Yeah. It's like here we've got one game, we've got the support structure and everything. And like, boom, it's ours. Yeah, and it's what's weird about it is to me Minecraft is is so wide appeal that I think it it works for multiple parts of Microsoft's plans going it does, forward. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds doesn't. It's like it's Xbox brand only. You know what I mean? I, I, I it's just it's weird. Uh, you know, you can buy Minecraft shirts at Target. Yeah. <laughs> the the thing about the, another difference between PUBG and Minecraft to me though is we reached a point in time where it's like okay, all the imitators of Minecraft are not going to overtake this thing. This yeah. thing this thing is too it's too high of a mountain to be reached. With PUBG, I'm not convinced that the same is true. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if an imitator eventually completely overtook it and had had those ideas, uh, were able to iterate it on more frequently and just was a better game overall. Um, you're, you're already kind of seeing that uh, with like the, the rapid ascent of Fortnite. And so I just would be a little bit nervous about that, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I... I... It's it's hard to see PUBG lasting. Basically, it's hard to point at it and say, "Oh, that's a franchise." Mm-hmm. To me, in my eyes, hmm. am I alone there? I'm not sure yet. Okay, I think we still got a lot of time to see it play out. Yeah, but, I, I mean, yeah, I agree. It's increasing numbers still very rapidly. Sure. Cool. Is it though? <laughs> yeah. Blood. I think I saw a chart. I saw a chart that was like. Uh, PUBG players, I shouldn't cite this because I can't cite it, so I won't. <laughs> but I, well, I think blood, like, there's, it's like a disproportionate number of Chinese players. Like it's becoming really huge in China and actually sinking everywhere else. Hmm. And so it's like it's, it's kind of. I feel like it's already starting to cool off. They're gonna have to innovate. PUBG is gonna have to get out in front of everybody and, yeah. and announce something in 2018 that we're like. Oh, space? Cool. Yeah. Or whoa, like uh, animals? Or so, you know, just something else that they're adding to it where they're like, look at how we are still a pioneer in this industry that we popularized. Yes. But it needs more like, than vaulting, right? If they just yeah. keep months go by and like all these other people keep, you know, adding modes or launching with stuff or like IPs that haven't had Battle Royale are adding it and then we're still looking back at PUBG and they're like, oh, we still got that desert map rocking and rolling. We're like, you yeah, gotta do something else. I completely else. agree. Yeah, yeah. I, the, uh, E3, sure, yeah. But, if we I get mean, through E3 and there's no new pub announcements, like, oh boy. Sure. So. They are, see, they are seemingly constantly tweaking. I mean, he was so many today that he's like, he's having a hard time keeping up with like, Oh, like stuff that I was, you know, thinking about writing is already outdated, mm-hmm. you know. In so. terms of the meta or in terms of performance? Um just in like yeah, uh like they've like changing like how the circle works. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Um they've gotten rid of like the little staging area. Uh and that's improved performance a lot. And so yeah. I mean it seems like they're they're getting into a process now that like now that they've hit one point that like they're they're really like refining it. And I want to take back my criticism, actually, that it's like growing disproportionately in China because, like, obviously, like we're, we're having this conversation about console exclusives. It is doing well on Xbox, well, yeah. Clearly, you oh, know yeah. what I mean. And so, yeah, well, I want to take that back. We, we were talking about the the purchasing power of Microsoft and how much they've already bought. I mean, for them, like, let's let's say we, you know, there's a lot of potential there, but we ultimately don't know for sure. That's still probably worth it. 
Yeah. You know, it's it's still probably worth it to have a potential mega hit on your hands. Like they have they have enough money that they can do that. You're right. To roll the dice. Right. On a 50-50. Yeah. yeah. On a 50-50 probably, is probably yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right, man. Yeah. What is $3 billion? Um, all right. So we got some bad news. Anthem has a new release window. It's early 2019. This is not a delay. Uh <laughs> What is very funny about this is uh, basically was, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal, uh, which you need um, you need a, a membership to read Wall Street Journal. But thankfully, they tweeted the, out the article itself. Um, and so I'm going to read from th- that, that right now. Uh, this is basically EA's voice in this article. EA denies Kotaku's report, which we'll get into states that they simply wanted a new release date because they're planning to release the new Battlefield in October, and this would give Anthem, uh, this would get Anthem more attention in a quieter quarter. Mm. It's not a delay, EA's finance chief, Blake Jorgensen, Jorgensen, tells in Wall Street Journal. People are trying to create a story. Jones, what do you see over there, man? Do you want to know? Yes. Do you really want to know? Yeah, what's up? That light's at 75 instead of 100. Over there. <laughs> oh, we're, so we're, we're doing some darker. we're doing some special shooting. Got of, it, got it. Some special features beforehand, and uh, didn't uh, usually those lights are all just locked at a hundred. To listeners, imagine us a little dimmer. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> a little dark right now. So uh, th- this is funny for a, a bunch of reasons. Uh, if those weren't apparent, basically, Anthem. Oh, what happened was Kotaku last week published an article. It said a lot. You learned a lot about the development of Anthem in this article. But anyway, it said there's no way it's going to hit uh, fall of 2018, even though that was what it was announced as at last year's E3, um, among other things. And then this week, EA comes out. Sorry, yeah, EA comes out and says, uh, yeah, it's 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 early 2019 now, um, but it's not a delay. Kotaku is wrong. They're trying to make a story. Everything's fine. And so, uh, basically, panel. The question is, does this confirm Kotaku's article? Or 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 is it wise actually for Anthem to release in early 2019? I think it's wise for Anthem to take all the time it needs. Yes, there's no rush on Anthem. I don't think. I think the if 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 Anthem misses this window of of whatever genre you know Destiny and a lot of those games have find themselves in uh, that uh, fall 2018 beginning of 2019. I don't think it's like the difference that's really going to define success for that game. Uh, I think. It's it's tough not to think this is reactionary from all the Destiny two mistakes that were made at the you know Q three and Q four in two thousand seventeen, um, especially now that that's you know just after all that stuff seeing the you know the decisions that they're making, but I think it's a good thing as long as they can figure out because I think the I think it's a good looking game I think it'll be a fun game I think that world will be great I think the dialogue will be okay like there's just a lot of things about Anthem that I don't need to have solved right away clearly the big question is. Where where do we hang out? What am I? How do missions work? You know, how does that system work? And I just imagine the game is in that period right now of like we know the we know what buttons do what we know you know what the weapons are we know what the characters are named. It's just the big question of like what's the grind? What's the 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 day to day, week to week, month to month experience of living in Anthem? Sure. And yeah. how do we monetize it? Because of course, basically, well, they go hand in hand. Yeah. That's what that's what the Kotaku report said, and, and Jason Schreier who wrote it. Uh, he's basically become secret best friends with a lot of developers. He's he's earned their trust. Sure. And so he's he's has this access to incredible articles that he writes and his book, of course. Um, and so they're very open with him. 
You know, they, they're, they're very open about the development of Anthem and they're not negative. You know, it's not like, hey, this is going to suck. We're, we're in crunch and everything going bad. You know, they were they said there's no way we'll make fall 2018, which was just the honest truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jones, you brought up Destiny 2. They did watch that. And another interesting takeaway from Kotaku's article is uh, Battle fee- Battlefront's uh, microtransactions were absolutely noticed. And Jason Schreier even goes on to say that, yes, Anthem is reconsidering their microtransactions, but many games are. And I thought that was truly interesting. Hmm. That yeah, we yeah. had an impact. The complainers had an impact, and I think that was pretty cool. What's most fascinating to me is is in that article where he's talking to the developers, just how much that game is changing over time, where they were like, early on or at various points, it felt like maybe we could crash and burn, or this this projection wasn't right at all, or now we have to react and deal with this thing. And it it really shows you how impossibly hard it is to make a game, to, to start planning out and to start formulating, this is what we want a game that you live in for years, trying to build that while all of these things are happening, and how much oh, yeah. you have to pivot as all of these things are happening and mm-hmm. like what you end up with is probably completely changed and more from that original vision. Like that just has to be an incredibly emotionally exhausting process. Right. You can't have a thing in your game that resembles the Engrams from destiny Two. Right? right. Like you can't have anything look like destiny Two now, which is scary. Right. Right. And so you're in that constant push and pull of, we can't, remind people of these mistakes but we also have to look at something in order to pull off this big of a project yes you You have to be both similar and completely different at the same time and that that is just crazy to me yeah uh let me me, there's one more interesting takeaway from this that actually isn't related to anthem and by the way i guess i'm working off uh i think it does confirm i think this i think this delay Mm -hmm. from ea a week later absolutely confirms uh, much of what kotaku wrote like you know it it was we would say like reports but i just like it's all true like basically everything in that that article is most likely true um so another really interesting part of that is dimensions of dragon age to me uh dragon age has is going to come after anthem which I was surprised by, actually. I thought I, th- I assumed Dragon Age was in development for so long that it's coming soon. Um, actually, a lot of people from that team are getting moved over to Anthem, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know they're they're pushing those resources there. Um, but just like Ben, how, just how you're talking about like making a game that people play and play and play, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dragon Age needs to be that too. Right. Uh, and so it's interesting that uh, after that article was published, uh, Casey Hudson, who is the head of Bioware, tweeted this out. Uh, reading lots of feedback regarding Dragon Age. <laughs> I'm sure like, a lot of people noticed. And I think you'll be relieved to see what the team is working on. Story and character focused. Too early to talk details. But when we talk about live, it just means designing a game for continued storytelling after the main story. In the Kotaku article, it mentioned that live was the word they're focused on. They want to make a live game out of Dragon Age. Yeah. Blood, can they do that? Can you can you make Dragon Age like live for years? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, if you, especially if they're planning it out like on this early level um, and, and trying to figure out what what that can look like, um, and so that they have enough space in between to be able to keep up a consistent development schedule, uh, because I I think that you know like a comparable thing to me would be how. Uh, uh, the, the Witcher Three had those two 
uh, DLC episodes that were standalone stories, um, but like really like you know brought you know you kept all your equipment and everything from from the main story, and you know if if Dragon Age had stuff like that and they planned out not just like two but if they planned to have like those like three four five six you know coming out every three months or something like that in between yeah then you know you you could get those players uh to invest if it's you know somewhere between a huge expansion like that and something like a telltale episode right because yeah. there's nothing nobody is nobody's copied the witcher with the way they did their dlc you know oh, that's they're such yeah. a unique developer yes. they, they really do things their own way well, there's also <laughs> blood like dailies you know, like, it sounds like Dragon Age is getting dailies. <laughs> you know, it kind of does. Meaning like, okay, I'm still doing the, I'm still doing the mission, but as long as I'm doing this mission, I got my daily here to kill 10 crocodiles that they just popped in there. So yeah, I'll go into the jungle and do that real quick and get some extra money. And then, then there's that whole extra tier of equipment that's like, you don't need it to play the game, but if you want to keep leveling up your people, maybe like get ready for that DLC. Like there's some other things you can do yeah. daily, weekly. Ben, you sound frustrated. I'm extremely frustrated. Why? Because just that tweet seems contradictory to me. Because when I when I think about Dragon Age Origins, a game that I was really attached to, I was attached to it because it actually made good on the promise of telling a story. And the whole point of a story is that the, the, the story stops. The but only there's way, a beginning, the only, a middle, and an the end. The only way yes. that you're satisfying is if you build up to something and then you cut it off. <laughs> and you make so many meaningful decisions that you get to see play out, but then they end. It's not like, okay, you made this decision, now go do a daily. That sounds like the worst thing. It's like, no, I'm trying to save the world from this threat, and either I do it or I don't, and there's an ending and there's a resolution. Like, what made Dragon Age so great is... It, origin specifically is that it felt so complete in its storytelling and so satisfying to see those characters grow and have an arc like character arcs that go on forever tend to be less compelling over time yeah like give me a few moments that matter a lot rather than just a couple of dailies with a couple of jokes but, thrown but in. here's the thing like drag dragon age is a franchise where you, you do have a lot of characters a lot of uh political groups like a, mm -hmm. a, a lot of lore and, and, and side things so imagine this that you have you have this main story that you play through in, in the game and then these dlc chapters afterwards that are that you take on another role you see another character's arc you, you see this side story you see maybe you get a view from their perspective that makes you think about the original storyline in a completely different way um, because, you know, yeah, they just, they're not looking at things from that, that same I hear you. I hear you, Blood, but it sounds like a new idea. Do you, do you sure. know what I mean? It sounds like they're trying to find a way to make Dragon Age work in the games as a service era. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if side stories is it. I don't think dailies is it. I think they're working on something else entirely that may... Maybe fun, but Ben, you make such a good case if there's just like a story needs an end. Yeah, and I get what you're saying there. It's, but they are saying that they focused on story and character. Right. So I mean, yeah, yeah I'm but... trying to figure out like structurally, like what that looks like. Exactly. Sure, but I think I think when you're talking about transitioning, uh, trying to make sense of Dragon Age in a games for service era. You, if you're if you're gonna do that, then you don't get to say 
this is everything you love about that series. Because you can't introduce something that people get attached to, that is complete, that is its own format, and then change it, and then get to use the language, it's just as you loved it, because it's not the same thing anymore, right? Like, yes, there's I know, a reason. I, I honestly think there's a reason why something like Halo worked, where it told its story, okay? And then Budgie went on, and they made Destiny. There are similarities between Destiny and Halo, but I think Destiny can work as a service as opposed to like Halo Live or Halo Destiny yeah. because there's that distinction there. There's that separation. I I would just be a lot more comfortable with this idea where it's like, hey, much like you could argue Dragon Age Origins is a, and it is, a spiritual successor to other things that those people had worked on, uh, a different era, you could say, hey, we're taking a lot of ideas from Dragon Age and we're making a new thing, that would instill a lot more goodwill in me, rather than trying to manipulate and reform this thing that has already kind of been abused. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's been manipulated and reformed every time they've made another game, so... But uh, I don't think that's yeah. a good thing. Like, I don't think yeah. I don't think that that is a net positive thing overall. But I do think something like saying dailies, I, I don't think that works in that, yeah. I don't think that's a story-focused kind of thing. I don't know how live makes sense because either because it, it, somehow you've got to... Like, if you're going to have this thing continue, uh, I, I don't know how you add significant content. You know, yeah. story-based content so where you can just keep playing and never put it down. Because story-based content takes time. Yeah, it's yeah. possible. You yes. can't... You, you, uh, you coined a great term. I wish I could rewind this podcast... Of like lesser something when you were talking about what they did, you were just sort of like, yeah, it's just not going to be as good as the other dra the Dragon Age that I know. That kind of storytelling, and mm -hmm. like that's exactly what it's going to be. Like that's what you have to do. Like the more options you give me over a longer period of time, the less impactful each of those individual things are going to be. And it's just the question of like, I just can't put this game down. I just gotta give me a reason to pop it open today. And like, I think the the worst thing, and the, I agree with you, Ben. The language they got to get away from is calling this story stuff. Where we're like, we just want to add more story things to Dragon Age. Like, no, you just want to give me more stuff to collect. Like, that's the, you know, there can't possibly be. Ooh, I'm gonna boot up Dragon Age today, two weeks after I got the end credits, because of a story tidbit. It's gonna be no, I gotta log in because I gotta. If I don't do that thing today, I'm not gonna get the credit for it. And so that's what I mean by daily. It's just yeah. some like just ca some carrot that's like, oh, I gotta let me just jump in at Dragon Age for ten minutes and do whatever that is, whether that's a mission or something. Yeah, and it's, it's I I know Bioware under EA is 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 kind of in a way apples and oranges, but there there really used to be a time where Bioware could make anything and people would be excited about it because yeah. of. Because they knew that they were getting a great story uh, in a great world. And th that was just kind of the general sentiment. And you think about where CD Projekt is right now uh, with, with Witcher and the anticipation for Cyberpunk. And, yeah. and this sort of expectation that it's like, no, we're not going to jerk you around. You're going to get a complete story that is as satisfying. We're, we're not going to rip you off. That is what Bioware used to feel like. Yeah. And... <laughs> To me, it would just make a lot more sense if they they got back to that rather than trying to take these names that used to be beloved and running them into the ground. I don't know. Anthem is such an uphill battle. <laughs> it does. They got all of the the 
the frustration that people are, are you know raising in EA right now over microtransactions. They have all of the negativity surrounding Destiny 2 that yeah. people are like, well, Anthem, what's your answer going to be? And they got Bioware having to deal with Mass Effect yeah. and, and just a lot of the, the stigma yeah. coming off of that project. So it's just not a lot immediately going in and creating goodwill. Right. It's, it's probably hard to be motivated and moral. You know, it's just moralized. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, it's probably just so hard to feel good about the project you're working on. But you, ha- like, you have to. Yeah. You gotta believe in Anthem. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the sense I got from, yeah, from the articles. I mean, it's it's not you know you know like like you're saying it's, it's not that the game is in trouble or anything mm-hmm. like that, but at the same time, there's very much a sense at the studio where like everything is riding on this, you know. Like, oh, for Bioware, it's not yeah. your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like if if Anthem like doesn't light a fire under people, then we're we're done. We're you know we're yeah. we're out of here. Like yeah. there's not going to be another Dragon Age or Mass Effect, at least not by them. I'm sorry. Do you hear that? Sounds like it's podcast halftime. The following are the official sponsors of Easy Allies for the month of January. Mango. Scorn, an atmospheric horror adventure currently in development at Ebb Software, set in a nightmarish universe of odd forms and somber tapestry. Go to scorn-game.com for more information. Brent Klaus. Brent Klaus is a 2D animator and illustrator specializing in motion graphics and art direction. He produces animated content for brands using bold colors, fun character animation, and will sneak in a video game reference wherever he can. You can find him and his work on Twitter at Brent Klaus. Jojo Dent Co., your friendly automotive dent repair expert. If you are currently an EZA patron and are in the Denver metropolitan area, tweet at FastMower if you would like to have your minor door dings repaired free of charge. Sweet Justice, a sound design company based in England that's worked on Battlefield, Mirror's Edge, Injustice 2, Call of Duty, Cuphead, and a load of indies. Check out their website at www.sweetjustice.audio. L. Thanis. iKeyless. Since 2002, iKeyless has specialized in replacement automotive keys and remotes. They can save you up to 75% off of dealership's prices. Visit their updated website at iKeyless.com and use promo code EZA at checkout for free shipping and an additional 17% off of your order. Hoaglaw Business Law Firm. Whether you're starting a business at level one, stuck fighting the dreaded fundraising boss, or finally cashing out with a well-earned high score, you need a good business lawyer at your side. Rick Hoag started Hoaglaw to bring more than a decade of experience to companies like yours and is proud to support the allies. Check him out at hoeglaw.com. Carlos X360. Founded in 2006, established as a company in 2010, currently, Carlos X360 is a global network of blogs and forums. The end goal is to become a game publisher or developer. The network consists of many subjects, including Call of Duty, Destiny, Battlefront, Devil May Cry, and Nintendo Switch. Join Carlos in discussing all things video games. If you're an investor, get in touch. Carlos is looking for around $50 million. And... The website Destroy Repeat is uh, going to get a redesign very soon. So, <clears throat> Destroy Repeat, Destroy Repeat, Destroy Repeat. All of these sponsors and links are available in the description. Thank you to our sponsors. <laughs> 
DestroyRepeat. DestroyRepeat.com. Okay. It's getting a redesign from Carlos X360. And that is it for Carlos X360. For the month of January, he has vowed to return at a later date. Cool. But will not be around in February. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, Carlos. Uh, uh, which means it's open as luck. Keep an eye on oh, yeah. <laughs> patreon.com slash Yeah, are we, oh wait, are we maxed out on slots right now? Uh, I th- <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think we are. Wow. It, it would be really funny to me if just for like one month an ally took up the spot and, and Brandon would have to say, Michael Huber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would yeah. like to promote. <laughs> it's almost worth it to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just 500? That's what it takes? Just 500. Okay. That box peak premiere. Come yeah, on, Kyle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 500. <laughs> I got more bad news. Uh, <laughs> Paragon was shut down yeah. this week. Uh, Paragon is uh, Epic Games' MOBA, basically. Um, is that bad news? Oh, boy. Ooh. That is too cold. Yes. We're starting with blood on I this don't topic. Know. <laughs> I don't think it's that cold. Why? Because Fortnite is killing it. Yes. And that's a, uh, a reason why it's been canceled, uh, is that they had to just move resources over to the Fortnite team. It was their fiduciary duty. Just like, hey, we got to... We got to boost this team that is making a ridiculous amount of money. Them, man. You got one thing that's not working and another thing that is working is like focus on the thing that's working. Sure. I completely agree. And I, in fact, I think the way that they're handling it is is honestly pretty well done. I, I Reading that statement, they're like, hey, we tried it. We failed. We're going to give you a full refund on yes. any platform. And that's coming from us. That's full refund for yeah. the purchase of the game and any additional purchases Beyond that, that's that's above and beyond. That's it absurd. Is. It yeah. is crazy. And I just I like the honesty. You know, I, I just really appreciated the way they've communicated all of this and the problems they've been having with the game itself. Yeah. Uh, it was a little weird that we had like a, a post in late January, and I almost brought it to this podcast about how they had to reshuffle some of their staff hmm. onto uh, Fortnite. Uh, but then nine days later, it was like, okay, well, we were done. And I think the other thing that I that I like about this is it's not like. Paragon came out, it didn't work out, and then it was shuttered. Like it went through a process. They made major changes. Yeah. You know, they got together like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna try to move in this direction. Now we're gonna try to move in that direction. You know, they there were multiple attempts at figuring it out. And I think at some point you just have to say no and move on. And I I I, I think this is very, very healthy. Cool. Yeah. It's Epic Games is always really interesting to me because I kind of think they're like they exist today to sell the Unreal Engine. Uh, but I mean, clearly with Fortnite, they're just making a ton of money, uh, with, not as a, as a sales thing for the, their own engine, but yeah. Um, on to the next one, you know? Yeah. 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 Whatever's next. I, I noticed a really interesting comparison, uh, between Sony and Epic games this week, because there was a lot of internet woes with video game players. Potentially. Uh, I had, I think it was like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I would like log in and try to play Fortnite on PS4 and I couldn't. And I think it oh, was yeah. like Wednesday PS4 was acting weird. Thursday, Fortnite was down. Friday, PS4 was back down again. And so it was like three days straight that I Mm. couldn't play Fortnite. And it was fascinating going to the Fortnite Twitter feed and having them be like, it's not working. We'll give you an update. Four hours later, they're like, still not working. Sorry, we'll get you an update. Then they had a, a huge post that was like, here's what happened. We, we, we are implementing these changes. The holiday events are over and some other stuff that we wanted to add to Battle Royale and Survive the Storm. It didn't work. We actually like uploaded something. It crashed. So then we had to go on a backup of this update we did before. It was this really long, exhaustive, like, yeah. here's what happened. And it was this weird technical thing. And so I'm just imagining back in the day of us like rendering video and stuff like that and just feeling like, oh, yeah, like you can see the solution, but you know it's just hours away because this stuff just takes time. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. I like the transparency. And then like I turn my head over to Sony and they're like, 
I don't know. PSN doesn't work. What do you want? <laughs> you know, <they're> like, <laughs> it's like, did you want to play something online right now? And you're like, yeah, what happened? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah, come back tomorrow. <laughs> it's just like, nothing. It's still like a week later. Nothing. It just was gone. It just was down. Like, so it's really interesting. Like, I, I just, I, transparency just goes so far with me these days. Yes. I really, really appreciate it. And a humility, like you were saying, mm-hmm. with, with how they approach Paragon and with being like, whoops, we made a mistake there. And it's it's not just in this one instance that you're talking about with uh, the problems of playing Fortnite. My understanding and what the, the general sense that I've been getting from other people is that they are commuting in a communicating in a bunch of venues constantly. Like, if you want to know what's going on with Fortnite, they'll talk to you. And I, I think that always deserves to be commended. I think that's awesome. So yeah. good on Epic. Good on Epic. Yeah, thank you for the communication. Sorry yeah. to the Paragon team, but yeah, good luck with the next project. And Fortnite was in the cooker for a long time. Yeah, it was. Fortnite was in development for years and years and years. And oh, you're so, right. Yeah. And so it's not, it might seem like a flash in the pan for people that are really into MOBAs that were really into Paragon. They're just like, ah, it sucks that this Fortnite thing is just popping up. It's like, this was a big initiative for them. And it was, it was the same thing as Paragon for a while where it's like, we'll see. We don't know. Yeah. We could launch Fortnite and nobody could be into it. They could not dig the cartoon style or not like the gameplay compared to other things. And, and it hit in yeah. a big way. It hit larger than anyone could have yes. ever anticipated. It's interesting that, yeah, hard to feel bad for Epic. Yeah. It is now time for Love and Respect. Love and respect. respect. Ooh, Ben, that was really good, dude. Yeah, it goes high, and I like it. Um, so I, I, the way I do love and respect is, you know, I, I ask everybody who's a five dollar and up patron I, every week. We make a post, and you know, I, I pull from that post too many, and you know, I kind of select the things based off how the podcast is going. Mm. If we, if the, if the panel's been working too hard, I like to go with games. If they haven't been working en- hard enough, I like to go with some hard hitting stuff. We worked hard this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Did we? yeah you okay. worked hard. So let's let's just kick off with a game. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah. Oh, please. Uh. <laughs> Come on, man. It's funny because the minute you said yours, I was thinking about doing mine. <laughs> Well, uh, love and respect is always like a. Whenever that song plays, I yeah. just think like, have I done my? Yeah. Yet? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> is it? yes oh yes, okay, yes. I haven't. All right, yes. okay. It's probably exactly. half an hour left. I gotta exactly. get. Yep. I, have the, I have the prize. I have the prize. Yep. Oh, like popping popcorn. All right. Hello, Alice. Oh, that was terrible. No, that was really good. <laughs> Today, I've prepared a game for the panel. I like to call their first words. In this game, the panel will guess which sentences correlates with the opening lines of uh, multiple choice. We get three options. Excellent. Musical lyrics and menu text does not count. Opening animations and pre-title screen scenarios will not count toward this game. All the sentences will be found after new game or other equivalent options are selected. Love and respect, Chris the Fields. Here we go. Is that dialogue or like... This will make sense as we go. Yeah, it's the first line of dialogue. A scattered dream that's like a far-off memory. A far-off memory... That's like a scattered dream. This is a JRPG, Ben. We need your help. <laughs> is it Remember Me, Kingdom Hearts 2, or Silent Hill Shattered Memories? Shattered Memories. Ben, you got a guess? It doesn't feel like Kingdom Hearts. So my first guess before you even said it. Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh. Go with your gut. Ben wins. It's Kingdom Hearts oh. 2. Go with your gut. Go with your gut. A scattered dream that's like a far-off memory. A far-off memory that's like a scattered dream. What are you writing? What are Isn't you writing it? there? 
Nobody it, knows what they're writing. You're questioning I mean, Kingdom Hearts writing? <laughs> sure. Does does Roxas say that? Oh, probably he right. Has to, right? Yeah. You start all, with you yeah. start out hanging out yeah. with him. Tell me, do you ever feel a strange sadness as dusk falls? Is that Persona Three, The Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess, or Alan Wake? Boy, they picked some good. It could be any of those, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me. Do you ever feel a strange sadness as dusk falls? I don't think it's Ellen Wake. Twilight Princess. What was the first one? Persona 3. Persona 3. Hmm. That was Persona 3. Yeah, I like Persona 3. It's Twilight Princess. Ah, wow. For Ben's killing it. It yeah. just felt like way too philosophical. Tell me. Tell me. Uh, I don't know. Twilight Princess has a sadness? lot of lines like that. <laughs> sure. Tell me, Link. Long ago, the world was nothing more than an endless sea. Is that Xenoblade Chronicles, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy X, <laughs> or The Legend of Zelda? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Xenoblade Chronicles. Just go ahead and give yeah, that point yeah, to Brad. Yeah, totally <laughs> well, oh. I'm just going to go to whoever says it okay, first. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> what? That's so out of context. Once upon a time, there existed a giant tree that was the source of all mana. Is that Tales of Symphonia, Secret of Mana, or Dragon Quest XI, Sentinels of the Starry Skies? I'm out. Wait, 11 or 9? Did you say 11? 11. I'm going to say Dragon Quest XI. Sentinels of the Starry Skies. That's got to be a a bait and switch. It can't be be Secret of Mana. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with Dragon Quest Eleven. Sure. You went. You ben. went with Eleven. Yeah, I'll go with Ben. I know with Tails. Tails, it is. Ah, blood. It's hilarious. They all have the monetary. Yep. <laughs> Tied it up. After the end of World War II, the world was split into two: East and West. Mm. Do you know this already? Am I? Well, I want to hear the options. Okay. I the options are: Metal Gear Solid Three, Snake Eater, Wolfenstein Two, The New Colossus. Or Hearts of Iron 2. Uh, I'm going to say Metal Gear Solid 3. It's that. Ben gets that point. Mm. Yeah, that sounded very familiar. At the end of World War II, the world was split into two. Yeah. East and West. Yeah, Snake's just a yeah, good yeah, narrator. Yeah. Just yeah, start yeah. any game with that. Yep. Yeah, please. <clears throat> uh, Blood, your chance to uh, tie it up. Ben, your chance to lock it down. Jones, your chance to not embarrass Get on the board. <laughs> Get up on the board. <laughs> so, you want to hear a story, eh? One about treasure hunters? Is that Tomb Raider from 2013, Borderlands, or Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag? Borderlands. Borderlands. Okay, points for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know that? How did everybody know this was Borderlands? Okay. I knew it wasn't well, the other one. Here's okay, how I knew sure. it was Borderlands, because sure. Borderlands is a game that, like, I probably saw the intro, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times, like, maybe five times, just trying out different characters and stuff. You go Ain't through... Ain't no rest yeah, for yeah, the yeah. wicked. You, you, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that intro is seared into me for sure cool yeah. uh here we go this one is this one has bothered been bothering someone for decades so let's do it hey allies i have a question that has been bothering me for decades when you're reviewing a game prior to launch prior to any official walkthroughs existing online for the public what's the protocol when you're completely stumped mm-hmm. in the game and you've wasted too much precious time trying to find a solution on your own 
Do you ask for help from contacts you have that are also playing the game prior to launch? Do you buy the strategy guide if it exists? Do you ask your contact at the developer or publisher that sent you the game? Or do you just somehow never get stuck playing a game you're reviewing and always figure out the solution to the puzzle <laughs> or the boss's weak point? The last Love one. Love and respect, no. Joe. Yeah, we never get stuck. No. What do you all do? Uh, this is this is funny. I actually have a few things for this. Okay. Uh, we're reviewing uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I was going through, and I wasn't stuck. Uh, but there was a there was a there, like there was a question that I had about the the combat system, uh, and I went actually back in the footage and I found the tutorial. And I was like, okay, that helps a little bit, but there's still like this piece that I'm missing. And so in the email where they sent us Xenoblade Chronicles two the code, they're like, email this guy and he'll help you out. Never responded back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not did never got a response. That's hilarious. And so I eventually I did figure it out and it was fine. Uh, but that was a little bit frustrating. Wow. Yeah. I uh, remember... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly, like, I know it sounds weird, but, like, it's pretty much option three. Like, I don't feel like I get that stuck to where it's just hopeless. You know, like, at most, like, you know, I have to go to bed and the next morning it's like, oh, this is obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there, yeah, there, there are, uh, you know communities and forums and such out there that like yeah when when we're playing a game ahead of launch like we we can reach out to other people playing the game is like hey yeah. i don't get what's going on and anyone get to this point yet you know and uh and that's generally how it goes there's not really yeah there's not really any kind of option to get like a strategy guide or anything like that um you can reach out to the developer but i've never had to go with that so you've never had a part where you're frustrated in how much time you're giving to this particular moment of the game when you know that you got a like you got a deadline to meet. You should be reviewing this entire game, and you're just stuck on a spot for an hour mm-hmm. or two. That never happens. I mean, I definitely have points like that where it's a little frustrating, but I don't. I I don't know. It's not like a typical problem. Johns, what do you do? I, I when I think back on all the moments where I was afraid that I wasn't going to hit a deadline because of a moment I was stuck at in the game, almost yeah. all come from retros. I definitely remember playing... Re- I remember working on the Castlevania retro and being like, I, I can't beat Rondo of Blood. Like, I can't, like... And so that's yeah, not dude. a question of like, yes. oh, let me check that Rondo strategy guide. You know, it's like, no, yeah. this game's just brutal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, those are all my memories from that. And I think I, I've been slowed down by something that that uh, happened in a game before and been kind of frustrated by that because I'm like, and I'll instinctively go like, Oh, just look that up on game facts. And it's like, no dummy. That's right. No, it's playing this game. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like like, outright stopped. I don't know if that's ever happened. The things that would stop me or the things that I, it's not about me not understanding a puzzle or something. It's just like something screwy went down with the servers. And so now I'm just stuck waiting for something to reload or some, you know, like need for speed with its dumb microtransaction scheme where I like just have to wait out in the parking lot until I can upgrade my car. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's good footage though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's now it like, yeah, those things that end up frustrating you and slowing you down are, are, are a little bit different and less in your control. Uh, one thing that always makes me very anxious when reviewing long RPGs is, you kind of 
oftentimes hit this point where it's like, well, there, there's more that I could do to power myself up, either get better equipment or more levels or, or whatever it is in the game. But you're like, I'm also trying to get this done as soon as possible and I can move on with the main story. And so there, there are times where either you're doing some optional stuff and it's like, am I wasting too much time with this? Do I need yeah. to move on? Sure. Versus, and then there are times where you're doing the main story, like, am I going to hit that wall where I'm just not strong enough? Um, and that anxiety uh, is always present. It hasn't, I can't think of a time where it's it's ever been too much of an issue. And I think the more you do it, you get better at feeling it out. But it's always there because with all of the games, it's a little bit different. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, RPGs and open world games is definitely the biggest thing. Is like, when do you just dial it in and find that spot, you know, where like, I I I need to do this side content because that's a big part of the game. And yeah. something like you know, like like uh, Bethesda games are notorious of like mm -hmm. the main path is nothing. Like the main path is not that game. Mm -hmm. Like it's going out into the world and like finding this stuff that you don't expect that really makes those experiences what they are and so if you're just going to crit path a game it's almost a useless review in in some right. cases wow yeah, you, like you think about skyrim and you think about the review of the person who pretty much just crit pathed it versus somebody who saw all the guild storylines and, and really got out there and explored the world i mean those are completely different reviews so. yeah and like uh you know even though you know it, it's not the greatest game but like mass effect andromeda you know, some of those side stories, like, I felt like that was worth the time. Like, some of those character interactions were really interesting in the, you know, most worthwhile parts of that game. So that's interesting. Uh, I, I, I guess from an outsider's perspective, I'm more curious about, like, about the tips they do give you, I guess. You know, do they ever say, like, this part's going to be hard? <laughs> oh, sometimes it is, it is straight up insulting. Like, there's no other word for it. Uh -huh. yeah. uh, it, does, it doesn't happen too often. But every once in a while, they'll give, uh, like, a quote-unquote reviewer's guide that, that basically between the lines reads, like, in case you don't know how to play video games, sure. here you go. Yeah. yeah. And so they do kind of have a guide of their own that, like, <clears throat> you print yeah. out and comes with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we get more things digitally now but a lot of times it's funny because you'll get these reviewers guides that'll be like printed on like this nice heart like magazine paper and stuff and it's so pretty and you're like you look through all this art it's like this is great but I, what, what do i do with this this is like useless oh you remember when we got the xbox one x yeah that, that thing was very fancy yeah. was like highlighting all the features and stuff and mm -hmm. it's like Who's ever gonna see this? It's all optics, man. It's, they they want to look professional to a reviewer. Yeah. You know, it's it's it it all affects it in the end. And then yeah. on the other end, we get the stupid spoiler list where it's just like, oh crap, I need to know what not to capture, but I don't want to read too much. It's like, right, well, right. I forget oh, this in time. Yeah, that is the worst. <laughs> yeah. That happens all the time. Like the, the 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 insulting, like way too many like obvious tips doesn't happen very frequently. I don't want to imply that it does it really doesn't but the the spoiler list happens way more frequently when it should it's like okay when you get to this last boss and it, it or this like pivotal moment in the story where this character goes through this huge change or reveals this big thing make sure you don't show that in your review and it's like <laughs> <laughs> but they ruined that for the reviewer that's yeah. crazy yeah um it is very rare, but every once in a while, and I, I don't think it's happened in a long time. I, don't, I honestly don't think it's happened 
since Easy Allies has started where you'll get a review guide that you can tell that they've put a lot of time into the game. Wh- whoever's working on the guide has knowledge of it, and it's like, okay, th- this point will get may not be obvious, or we need to go here, or something you might miss. Yeah. Every once in a while, they are extremely useful. Cool. And it's like, yeah. they, they just help make your process more efficient without ruining anything. Um, and those are always the best. The ones that are weird are the ones that are like, be sure not to miss this, 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 and this. Because it's like, you're torn between this point of, okay, these are important moments in the game that I should try to experience. But at the same time, I'm like, am I just like, showing people what they want me to show people like right would, yeah. would a player naturally come upon uh, yeah. These yeah, yeah yeah it isn't oh uh, yeah that's interesting stuff those bullet points i i, I appreciate that give me some insight to our, our, our listeners mm. uh let's play one more game hey allies it's common knowledge that most people don't finish the games they start so with that in mind i have a little game for you called finish it below is a list of games and the percentage of people who have earned the trophy for beating the game, according to the PlayStation Network. Uh, each person must guess which game has the higher per- highest percentage and guess the percentage number. You know what? I'm going to knock off that last part. We're going to make this a very simple game. Okay. Just guess which one most people beat. Okay. Here we go. The Evil Within 2 versus Resident Evil 7. Resident Evil 7. Yeah, Resident Evil yeah, 7. Yeah, Resident Evil 7. Evil Within 2, 46%. Oh, what? Resident Evil 7, 40.2. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. That is surprising. Huh. Yeah, because Evil Within 2 is so long. Yeah. I wonder if... I, and I think it's more difficult. Uh, Evil Within 2? Than Resident Evil 7? Oh, RE7. I, I got I got stuck. I, there were definitely a couple of spots mm. in that game where I was like, ooh, I got to reevaluate this whole thing. And definitely like going back through the second time... You know, like, oh, I'm going to prep for that fight. Oh, sure. Where, yeah, Evil Within 2, I just kind of breeze, not breeze through, but... Uh, uh, there, there, there were definitely some tricky parts in Resident Evil 7, but... Uh, I wonder I if like it's it, one of those things where, like, Resident Evil 7 just, like, has such a broader base. Such I think it's an exactly audience, that, blood. That, like, people are excited, people will check it out, but, yeah, like, some of those people just, like, don't that have that sense. much time to play video games. Whereas if you're getting Evil Within 2, you are dedicated. Yeah. yeah. Yep. By the way, I think those are both very high, though, for completion rates. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, GTA 5 PS4 version versus Assassin's Creed Black Flag PS4 version. Mm. Black Flag. Black Flag. Yeah, I'd say Black Flag. Points for everyone. Okay. Yeah. yeah, GTA Man. 5 is 17.8% yeah. on PS4. Uh, so we actually have PS3 versions, which, I mean, it still would be Black Flag, but 30% of people beat it on the ps3 while only 17.8 beat it on ps4 so i think that means a lot of people just bought it again to play first person mode for to play online on it i think that's what that is yep um the witcher 3 versus persona 5 oh yeah this is close persona 5 witcher 3 hmm Mm. Oh, I hit, well, maybe that's coming from I finished Persona 5 but not Witcher 3 I don't know hmm. I'm going to say right. Persona 5 I'm going to go with Persona 5 it is Persona 5 hey. so it's uh, uh, 30 for Witcher 3 and 33 for Persona 5 mm. yeah. okay. I just think like Witcher 3 being open world is so much easier to get sidetracked and, and just yeah. dump a bunch of time 
into things that are not the main quest, oh, and then sure. eventually you get sidetracked by another game coming out. And oh, yeah. a lot of people said, if, you, if they're like, I left Witcher 3 for 48 hours, and I couldn't tell you to save my life what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't sure. know. It's like Persona 5. And jump. Oh, that's right. Okay. On to the next step. Resident Evil 4? The Last of Us Remastered. Last of Us Remastered. Yeah, that's... Ooh, but it's a remaster, so maybe not. And... What platform? Is it both PS4? Uh, PS4, yes. Uh, Excuse me. Those are PS4. Yeah, but they're both then. Yeah, this one's tricky. Uh, I'm going to say Last of Us Remastered. What is it going to be, Blood? Uh, I stay with Last of Us, yeah. It is Last of Us Remastered by 0.6%. Wow. It's 41.1 to 41.7. So, yeah, you were all right to deliberate that for a long time. Uh the reason why I picked Last of Us Remastered is I, I feel like Resident Evil 4 is an old enough game where a lot of people bought it because of the good time they had, but yes. they already finished it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, a lot of them didn't finish it again. I don't know. It's a weird logic. Sure. But. It makes sense to me. Dark Souls versus Uncharted 3. I feel like this is a this is a trick one. Yeah, I do too. I'm going to go Dark Souls. Uncharted 3. I'm going to go Dark Souls. It is Dark Souls. Sorry, Jones. 39.2% people beat Dark Souls. 32.2% beat Uncharted 3. Yeah, uh, if you look at trophies for Souls games... They're pretty high, actually, because the people who play them are so dedicated. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I think was, uh, after getting the, the Platinum and Bloodborne, I was surprised at how high the percentage was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's cool. It's, it's actually encouraging about its player base. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda versus Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon, Horizon Zero Dawn. You did not take the bait. It is Horizon Zero Dawn, but <laughs> it, only by 4%. Horizon Zero Dawn is 35.2%. What? Points all around. I like that. Final Fantasy 15 versus Metal Gear Solid 5. Hmm. <laughs> Final Fantasy 15. It's a trick question. No one finished MGS 5. <laughs> uh, that's very good, Jones. We're a comedy podcast again. Uh, but that is my vote. 15. MGS 5. Ben, what's it going to be? I'm going to say Final Fantasy 15. It is. Mm. And this is actually, this is the only one where like they just swept up. Final Fantasy 15 is 42.2%. Metal Gear Solid 5, 12.9. Oof. A lot of people bailed on it. Well, it's, it's, I wonder how many people thought they finished Metal Gear Solid 5, but then didn't. Oh, I wonder that that too, because there are credits, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So. Short game. That's, that's where I think that comes from. Yeah, yeah. If you finish like after Sahelanthropus, you're like, oh, that's good. That was yeah, a good game. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> and then you're just, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. fun. Uh, <laughs> Dead Space versus Bioshock. I think we're going back to PS3 here. Bioshock. Bioshock. Yeah. Bioshock. Dead Space by wow. one point five percent, thirty-five point six percent on Dead Space. Close. Huh. Yeah, that is a weird one, isn't it? I have to wonder if it's if it's just a lot more people play Bioshock. And it's oh, the yeah, same the sort more of thing. the broad appeal yeah. thing. Sure. Near Automata versus Yakuza Zero. Mm. <laughs> well, Yakuza again, this is zero. This is another. Which one. trophy are they going for? Completion. Completion. Well, yeah. but what is uh, wait, are we mean? talking? Are we talking A through E Ooh, with near? Good question. See, that's is a very important question. That's a very important question. I think, based off these percentages, and by the way, it is close. So I don't feel like I'm giving anything away. I think it is A through E. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, I'm going to say near. I'm going to say near. Damn, yeah, I'm going to say near. I think the people that are going through near really are incentivized to complete it. Not more incentivized than the people who play Yakuza 0. Points for Jones. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, again, this is really, really close. It's 27.4 on Nier Automata. Yakuza 0, 28.8. But oh, wow. you're right. I would absolutely expect Nier to be more played. Hmm. Yakuza 0 is so long. But, yeah. <laughs> Uh, pretty healthy percentage. Ah, oh, it's so good. I mean, they're both great. Okay. Going back to PS3. Skyrim versus Red Dead Redemption. By the way, this is the last one. Red Dead Redemption. Skyrim. Skyrim. It is Skyrim. Mm. It so, hurt to do it, but yeah. Uh, this is just Rockstar. I just hear that the story all the time from people who are like, came in, tried the story, wandered around, goofed off the rest of the time. But, yeah. But... but <laughs> That's what you do in Skyrim, yeah, right? Yeah. The ending to Red Dead Redemption, like, you just need to experience that. Of you course. Have to, you of have course. to. It's so good. But it's kind of like the crit path what Blood was talking about, you know, in Bethesda games, where it's like, if you just focus on the main part of Skyrim, it, I think it takes less time than the main part yeah, of Skyrim. Uh, really oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, by the way, Skyrim was 29.3, Red Dead Redemption 16.5. What yeah. are people doing? It's Rockstar. That's Rockstar. Yeah. That's the bane of Rockstar. It's the, I don't think it's, they care, though. It's this huge mega company that makes these big mega excellent games that make tons of money yep. that people don't really like that much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think like, the broad industry at large is kind of like amused by it, but yeah. like not really committed to it most of the time. I wonder if a lot of people played online. I wonder if they had good online numbers for that. Yeah. For mm. Red Dead. Uh, by the way, love and respect beating down Brian. Thank you for that Thanks, game. Thanks, Brian. You all tied with five ruined. points, by the way. We might be ruined. Oh. Isn't that cool? That's fun. I yeah. love that. Speaking of points, it's time for bets. Next week's bet, Shadow of the Colossus 2018. I don't know what else to call it. Uh, will be released. <laughs> I just call it a PS4. Oh, I like that. That's good, too. Uh, it's not called Remake or Remastered. So, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, PS4 is kind of nice. Ah, it just sounds like a port if you do that. I feel like 2018 is that, like, I like that designation, you know? Sure. Uh, anyway, we'll be released on Tuesday, February 6th. It's one week from now. Um, at this point next week, what will the trophy percentage be for the Mammoth defeat the second Colossus? Jones, what's your bet? Could be super high, but I'm going with 30%. It could be just crazy, crazy high, because that's only going to take you 30 minutes? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's weird because we say it releases that day, but it really it releases Monday at 9 p.m. on the, the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, Blood, what is your bet? Uh, I, would, I went with 27%, which I'm actually feeling like might be crazy low, but we'll see. Ben, what is your bet? Well, if that's crazy, then I'm insane. I actually wrote a bet this time. 23%. Nice. <laughs> popcorn. popcorn. Uh, ben, I did 22.3%. <laughs> wow. Did you know? Did you know what you what you did, wrote did down? Did you know? I, I wrote down mine first. You knew. I did not know. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of this. <laughs> yeah. I wrote down mine first. Let me lock those in. Prove it. I did know though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just knew where you were going with this, yeah. Ben. Uh, I got the high ground. Last week's bet: Dragon Ball Fighters and Monster Hunter World will release. Uh, oh, they released on the same day, January twenty sixth. We combed the Twitter accounts of Bandai Namco. And Capcom's two, they have, you know, Capcom Unity, but also they have a, a Twitter account for Monster Hunter. Which would have the most liked tweet, Monster Hunter or Dragon Ball Fighters? And to break the tie, how by how many? Um, so, Jones, you Boy. bet Monster Hunter World would have the most popular tweet, uh, and you bet the difference would be 2,000, 2K. 
Uh, Ian bet Dragon Ball Fighters would have the most popular tweet by 6K. Brad said Dragon Ball Fighters by 3K. I said Dragon Ball Fighters by 3.2K. Uh, here's what we have. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters most popular tweet over the last seven days, 2.3K. Uh, and here's what it is. We are aware of the issues with ring match in Dragon Ball Fighters. That's beautiful. We're working so tirelessly beautiful. to fix it, but it may take a while. Thank you, as always, for your patience. Uh, and then again, that was 2.3. Uh, Monster Hunter World's most popular tweet. Here comes new hunters. Ryu and Sakura from Street Fighter join Monster sense. Hunter World 10,000. Wow. Jones, you took it, dude. I'm on board. You are on the board. Mm. Feels good. How can you beat the announcement of Ryu and Sakura? That is an awesome announcement, and yeah. the trailer that they made for it was yeah. really fun. Though, yeah. to be honest, Jones, I think you would even if they didn't make that tweet, they had several in like a 3K range. Nice. And so, yeah, uh, Monster Hunter's Twitter game is better than Dragon Ball's Twitter game. Uh, Red Grouse now has one point. <laughs> the Gorgeous Gorillas also have one point. <laughs> <laughs> and the Droopy Eagle has two. Conk, conk. Now time to talk about patreon.com slash easy allies, which I sort of alluded to earlier. Uh, easy allies is run through a Patreon. Um, we use the Patreon to not just uh, make money, but also to kind of facilitate our community. And so when I said that I take uh, love and respect suggestions from our Patreon, it's because we're on there making posts, reading comments. Um, and also, yeah, that is how we give benefits. That's how we give the podcast two days early to our $5 and up patrons and other benefits, of course. Um, but mostly, you know, it's just to keep us operating. Uh, Podcast sponsor slot. Open it up. Yep. Get in there. Slot and open. Yeah. Pop, pop. So, well, I mean, what's, <laughs> if you're listening to this. Double it down. Yeah, it, it's going to, yeah, you got to try to slide in there real quick. I don't know when he's going to open it up, but. Oh, sure. I've, I feel so uncomfortable. with it's like, like right at the end of the month. Yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah. Anytime anyone's like exclusive offer, get in there now. I'm like, shut up. You know, like, I don't want to be that guy. Just like slide right in. Why? You got the shot. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We're lucky to have our whole slots filled up. So yeah, we'd be lucky for that to happen again is what I feel like. Grease yourself up and jam yourself in there. Yeah. Are we doing that's what she said right now? Uh, ben, how'd you do on your goal this week of saying just like popping popcorn? Boy, I sure did it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. Hey, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's great, yeah, but I did do it. Yeah. Uh, but how'd you do at your goal of saying amping it up? What was your goal? Dialing, dialing, in. dialing, dialing it in. in. I yeah, think yeah. he crushed. Yeah. I'd say of the three of you, blood was most in context. I agree. Yeah. Yes. I agree. Yeah. Uh, John's your goal. Not uh, as good as blood, but I did it. I'm saying that's the ticket as yeah. John Lovitz. <laughs> sure. Yes. The way you doubled down on it, I think, made it more effective. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my goal was to smile more. I don't think I was doing it. <laughs> I think I forgot about my goal, but I think we had a very funny, fun podcast. Yeah. And I was like, considering you said I have bad news twice, yes. yeah. there were yeah. uh, there were a pleasant amount more of more bad news. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jones, you won our bets. You get the right and responsibility to share our your Twitter handle with the world. You get to sign off with your trademark sign off. You get the final word on anything you disagreed with or simply want to reiterate, and you get to promote any Easy Allies video you would like to promote. Go ahead. You can follow me at Trailer Jones. Microsoft's not buying anybody. This is this is the, uh, a, a Thursday at Microsoft. I don't think any of these are true, especially since there's multiple people. It was like, oh, we heard that may might buy, they might buy EA or Valve or this. It's like, okay, well then that's just them looking at everybody. And these were the ones that when they looked through a list of a hundred people, they could potentially buy. Like, Ooh, EA is a story. So 
they focused on that. Uh, gotta watch the uh, Sea of Thieves stream that uh, Mr. Daniel Bloodworth joined me for. Uh, that is archived on youtube.com slash easy allies plays and that is a must watch you can go yeah two and a half hours of myself Daniel Bloodworth Ian Hank and Silent Consonant from our lovely community playing the beta of Sea of Thieves uh, a game that I would spend all weekend playing if I could but uh, uh, Silent Consonant on on the archive is actually silent living up to his name because because I could not hear him and he could not hear me that stuff's always so weird thanks to Xbox Live yeah but uh, that's how the cookie crumbles give me a give me a teaser of something that happens that's interesting throughout the stream uh we were we were hungry for a an encounter with a human being <laughs> okay uh and uh and encountered someone that uh joins our crew in a very interesting way yeah and uh it was fascinating to follow that experience and again completely silent did not hear a word this person said mm-hmm. uh you can hear ian reacting to that person <laughs> and describing what that person was, I, was I saying to, to us too. um but uh it, it, i think that's the the number one thing that i'm looking forward to in that game is Seeing an island that is occupied in the distance, seeing a giant ship approaching you, and being, you know, not having any idea. Are these nice people? Are these bad people? Or They're all to, bad am people. Am I going to get in a fight with this person, or are we just going to agree to just well, I mean, move on Well, that's, that's the funny thing. Is like, I went in there, like, aiming at this guy with a sniper rifle, and I was oh. like, oh, crap, he's on our boat, he's on our boat. And he just starts talking to Ian, and he's like, oh, okay, I'll put, the, so, <laughs> I'll put this down. Great. All right, cool. <laughs> we made some friends. So uh, uh, We were a five-person crew for a while there, and uh, yeah, very entertaining. Slash Easy Allies Plays. Easy Allies Plays. Of course, you know, you can catch all our clips and stuff like that on twitch.tv slash Easy Allies. But if you want to see the official archive, uh, it is on our secondary, our sister channel, Easy Allies Plays. Check it out. Cheers. I am enjoying these microtransactions. The Easy Allies would like to thank our Patreon podcast producers. We apologize in advance for all the ally names we are about to misspell and mispronounce. Brent Klaus, Carlos X360, Eb Software, El Fanis, Hogue Law, I Keyless, Jojo Dentco, Mango, Sweet Justice, Grandmaster Pizza, James Thomas, Greg Kettering, MC Griffin, Nate Killick, Nick, Walker Hope, Sam G, Cameron Hendry, Will Schmuck, Michael Kozachenko, Gabriel Heilborn, Kit Snow, Professor Metal Gear, Bradley Spees, Zachary Wingate, John Tyson, Ken Layer, Beaten Down Brian, Silent Consonant, Andrew Reif, Sigma, Dan Sebring, JB, Tim O'Keefe, Nick Owens, Robert Stoffel, Wobess, Caleb Aranda, Corey Jackson, Richard Smuts, Jake Musser, Anti Ataraxia, Richard G. Flowers, Yo Butts, Michael Basegli, Caden Geist, Lula, Demos Clay, Chum Nun, Carp, Johanna Nicole, Dave Red, Thomas Wigginton Jr., Neil Bruce, Jared Reif, Marius Smith, Matthew Pauling, Gino A. Leet, Carl Williams, Brian Young, Jason A. Sackle, Candy Coated Thorns, 44 Stars, G. Levin, Charles Anthony Iapacino, G. Ken, Gabriel Johansson, Hitman 47, Ryan Anderson, Jean Philippe Legacy, Colt Doss, Paul Nolson, Cody Harden, Jay Shee, Marcel Froelich, Phoenix Doss, Lee Young, Andrew Kidd, Thomas Gonzalez, Peter Davis, Hudson Bilbury, Rack, Brad Lohman, Simon Anderson, Malflax, Ian Santa Anna, Mylene LaPearl Vanass, Tim Strothman, Caleb Crawford, DRD 7 of 14, Blue Suter, 
Todd Yurkovic, Joe Burns, Patrick Chong, Marco Flores, Sergio Ruben Hernandez Gallegos, Stephen Last, Ahmad Naki, Suiko Shining Force 2, Jesse Vitelli, The Banana Forklift Killer, Oh Yes Cool Great, Joachim Morovuo, Gustav Strombaum, Kelvin Hartanto, Marcel Markov, Mark J. Betters II, Nefertiti Jenkins, David Wen, Oni Blackmage, Luke Arnold, Matthew Holcomb, Daryl Schramm, Brent Phillips, Leif Johnson, Eduardo Ortiz, Catherine Lai, Gary James, John Santoro, Ian Bradburn, Robert Crouch, Mikhail Angel, Sean German Efficiency Clinton, Sven von Brand, Ulf himself, Trenton Robeson, Matthew Robles, Bymanis, V8 Dave, Nasser, Ritz1906, Fabian Schuster, The Solar Sailor, Tony Knox, Isun Chor, Forrest, Caleb Ledoux, Mike Hook One, Bry Guy, Quick Scares, Alexander Schiller, The Classiest Hobo, Captain Fancy Pants, Adam Penny, Zinterax, Modren, Paul Bishop, Travis Miosi, Trey Whetstone, Adam Damon, Sean Mackey, Yasser Alusaini, Leroy Anderson, Jonas Andreas Sibison, Reed Johnson, Manuel Thomas, Peter Wen, Luke Bennett, Adam Scherenbrock, Not Jack, Kurzus Stavrogowski, Kevin McMaster, Allison Burt, Anna Lencaster, Jenny Markula, Bjornor Haraldsvik, Sean De Almeida, Christopher Sleep, Saturn, Jacob Whittington, Charlie, Wouter De Hayes, Michael Favacci, Matthew Holmes, Eric Maynard, Fabian Winkler, Cartridge Brothers, Bernardo Del Castillo, Leon Keyes, Mugen Hamura, Raymond Lee, Yasser Kerbushi, Clay Roberts, Siana Metz, Todd Paxton, Faraz Rizvi, Dakota Hayes, Zustick, Don Turner, Mumble Mumbleton, Misuki211, Kyle Bradford, Jesse Fish, Shinobazu, Jason Joint, Edison S. Prada Jr., Alexander Breveglieri, Travis Ng, Ahmad Al-Rashed, Tuttle, Beth, Furious Action Gamer, Stuart Siddall, Joseph Caruso, Reiner Lip, Michael Schreiber, G. Sith, Matt Gunther, Evan Eng, Joshua Vanswall, Eric Gustafson, Refill, Sebastian Trier, Samsa Stormbomb, Bonnie and Jason Connor, Alex A.I., Jeffrey Daniel Lasley, Stephen Walther, Rock Gordon, Matt, Carlos Zuniga, Diggles, Ryan Cohen, Adam Mullaney, Link 666 Goron, Momo Rashid, M. Legend, Bread Roll Art, Akira Sendo, Colin Reinert, Calgareth, Eddie Reisner, Chase Caldwell, Andrew Buckter, Palkin Stirs and Stirs, Barry, Mikey Novak, Adam Henry, Beautiful Kai, Mac Jam, Sean Rowe, Ronnie Halperin, Caffeine Rage, David Kennedy, Durgesh Patel, Kenneth Proceus, Mike Calvi, Sarah, Ricardo Abarca, Philip Stadler, Gary Fair, Anthony Daniel Galvin, Benny Samuelson, Trolls Rasmussen, Daniel Wong, Jameson Anderson, Vincent Foliat, Hutchitron, Ahab, Neo Bear, Tetra Ninja, Quinn Gary, Alex Glass, Junior Motomura, Mither Strongbeard, Nycrypt, Mons Anderson, Elvin Skogheim, Jay Aldiar, Morgan Wirth, Sam Sorensen, Matt Ferguson, Michael Tenick, William Heaney, Christer Lundmark, Tim Mann, Chris the Pianist, Michelle Nubb, Sandra and Richard Acero, Battleox, David Tran, Mick Malloy, Adam Barker, Philip Klarskov Jensen, Niels Frederick Elbol, Sun Pham, Alex Monaco, Arthur Henrique Chinaglia, Cody Westley, Nuno Amaral, Galen Moxley Hagert, Twisted Heart, David Boyarski, Rahiv Maharaj, Toasty Soul, Sean McGing, Pete Cerny, Joachim Wiederberg, Christopher Santis, Sam Hendrick, Christian Hundorf, Andreas Coter, Extravaganza, Gali Gutierrez, Addison Muir, The Fatty Show, Jason Shields, Rickster EXE, Julio Ruiz, Lars Berger, Monica, Lorenzo, Remy Loisel, Jordan Kirk, Pete Shoemaker, 
Repus Edud, Irvin De La Torre, Cyberboa, Christophe Fatui, Azazel Valkyrie, G.W. Fox, Outcast Writer, Chris Bennett, Liam Ahern, Helping Leon, John Sebastian B., Self-Confessed Cynic, V. Cura Ray, Tristan Howard, Jeremiah Snowden, Materia Addict, Robert I., Blastermaster, Miguel Rivas, Alex Lavanier, Justin Wren, Malcolm Moschette, Adam, Cal, Joel Olson, Rez, Robert Ori Einerson, Christopher Donnelly, Matt Karwaski, Jesper Lawson, Joel Short, Marco Hernandez, Magnus Rasmussen, Clinton Hayes, Seyun Kim, Andrew Amos, Struggler, Tense George, Bunny Chen, Joey and Kate, Wavering Radiant, Raymond Chow, Ian Anderson, Dan Pan 16, C.S. Lewis, Oregachino, Jana, Roy Sung, Kim Monk Vonderleaf Hagensen Petersen, Colin Hoyleman, Reed Marlin, Ali Khan Sunger, Shanley Ladia, Dale Abe Rule, Kyle, Rerun, Arkham Fantasy, Luis Ibarra, Dale Sun, Philip Higdon, James Brown, John Ivor Carlson, Spencer Stevens, Elliot Moscow, Daniel Fuchs, Brandon Tinney, Ivan Ponce, Christopher A. Butler, John Prey, Sean Essen, Sebastian K. Urban, Marco Zanone, Alec Church, Culinary Stud, Michael Yao.